Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Yen Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. And Yen's today on the program we have part two of our interview with Dale Bazio uh, from Missing Person. And uh, last week we got to do the first part. This is an extended interview, almost two hours long, all in. So uh, if you're t- tuning into this one first, you should probably press pause and go back and listen to the first part. Um, you know, it's, it's got a good break in it, but um, but uh, yeah, you want to hear the whole thing, right? You definitely want to hear the whole thing. And uh, she did a great job waiting in our waiting room, uh, and uh, we're here to you know finally deliver, as you said, part two. Yes. We kept her waiting, but we did feed her well uh, for over the past week that she's been waiting for the second part of this uh, interview. So, you know. Yes. Craft uh, services. So she is well fed and ready to continue. Yes. Before we get in, though, we're going to make her wait for about 10 more minutes or so while we catch up because it's, you know, it's been a week since we've, we've talked. You know, we, just because we left her in the waiting room doesn't mean that we're there with her the whole time. No, we, got, we got lives. There's things going on. Things, That's right. Things are Absolutely. happening. There, there, there are things going on, you know, things we need to discuss. Uh, I can't even believe it's been a week. I had to scratch my head there for a second when you said it's been a week, but you're right. I mean, so much has happened in this past weekend. I mean, Tom Brady was dethroned. The 49ers were dethroned. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, you know, it's mayhem over there. My duck hunting season has come to an end, Uh, a tragic end. Uh, (laughs) Tragic end, right? You want to, you want to tell that story? I was just going to, you know, spoil it for you, but yeah. so, uh, so I, I will say, been a really great season overall. This past weekend uh, was the final weekend of duck hunting season. So um, I had the kids on Friday night, so I don't get to hunt on Saturdays a lot. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to go big and I'm going to go hard. And, uh, and so I drove out to uh, SAC Complex after I dropped off the kids, um, got there at like 1030. And I just had this vision of like, okay, uh, I'm going to get uh, be able to get on. I'll have to wait around a little bit, but I'll put my name in and be able to uh, get on to SAC Complex. Um, and uh, and hunt some birds, and then I'll I'll camp out and stay in my car over uh, and lottery that night to be able to hunt the next day with my buddy Ben. Right, um, right. get there, and there's a lot of hunters there in, in the parking lot waiting, uh, and. Uh, and I go up to the check station. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'd like to put my name in for a blind refill. And mm-hmm. uh, and they're like, did they laugh know? at you? <laughs> I, you know, they, he, didn't, he didn't actually laugh, but I'm sure mm-hmm. inside he's like, this guy's nuts. Uh, but uh, because he's like, he did say he has two pages of names already. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, fucking right is what I got, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so... And so, you know, it's about two hours to get out there almost. And, and so I'm like, well, fuck, I'm okay. So what do I do now? I'm here. So I went to, over to Delavan National Wildlife uh, Complex, which is 15 minutes away. Uh, and, uh, and I love Delavan. And I didn't have high hopes at that point, but I'm like, I'm 15 minutes away. Got to try, right? Right. Uh, so I go over to Delavan, and there's probably 50% more hunters in the parking lot there and hanging around. And I'm like, I didn't even go up to the check station. I'm like, okay, this is not it. I mean, I thought you were really looking forward to getting laughed at twice. <laughs> no, I was ready to do it again. Uh, I just want to get laughed all out of Sacramento, right? And, right? and so I'm like, okay, fuck. Well, uh, I'm, I guess I stick around and try and lottery still uh, tonight and hope that I get a good number. Although a lot of these schmucks um, are probably, you know, lotterying as well. Right. Uh, right. So 
uh, the odds are, you know, I mean, there's odds, there's a chance that I wouldn't even get a good lottery, right? So I'm like, okay, I got to stall for like eight hours or something now, right? Until lotter lottery time. So I drove over to Yuba City and went and saw the new Scream movie. Uh, really? Uh, Scream, what are they at? Four now? Five. Uh, five? Yeah, but it's just called Scream. Uh, I don't, which always gets me. It's like, why do That's you. That's confusing. It's not like a reboot it's a re or reimagining it because it still has the same characters it's in the timeline it's like just not just number it and make it easy what is this bullshit how are you ever going to find the movie you know mm. 10 years down the line or whatever right um yeah so i watched it it was okay um you know that that stalled for two hours and then i went to a park and was reading um a, a book and um and um, meanwhile, Joe, and, uh, my buddy Joe and Ben, who I was planning on hunting with the next day, were hunting grizzly, uh, and uh, and they grizzly bears, Grizzly Island. <laughs> oh, they're, they're, like they're hunting grizzly bears. <laughs> yes, they're hunting grizzly bears. You haven't told me about these friends that do that. Yeah, and, they're still alive. <laughs> yes, uh, they were they were having a duck hunt also, and it, it started out slow, but then once a lot of people left. They were able to keep shooting birds, and they both got a limit, seven birds. Uh, and so I talked to them both, you know, at separate occasions, and was talking to Ben. Okay, so what's the plan? I mean, am I even going to get a lottery? Is Because if if I don't get a good lottery, and it's 8.30 then, and I have to drive where, you know, back where, okay, we'll hunt Grizzly Island as a backup plan uh sort of thing but then i'm it's like 10 30 and i'm getting to grizzly island and just like have to sleep in my car there and i i'll be pretty pissed you know so right like okay just go home sleep in bed and get to grizzly but then on the way home ben ended up getting home and talking to his girlfriend and i think you know she wanted to spend the next day with him because he hunted all day like he hadn't planned mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. so he bailed and so i was solo uh and <laughs> Yeah, it was great. I was like, God damn it, duped twice on this fucking weekend. And then, uh, so Joe was really cool, and he let me borrow his uh, 360 blind, which it's, it's a blind that goes all around you, and you can okay. brush it in and hide really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he changed his hunting plans up, and we got together Saturday night and hung out for a couple hours, had a couple beers, and got hunting stuff, to, worked on hunting stuff, right? And so, so I got to go to the good spot. You know, I went to Grizzly. I got there at 3 in the morning on Sunday, uh, waited in line. There weren't too many hunters. Uh, I got to, you know, pretty much the spot that I wanted. There were not many birds flying. They got them all the day before. Yeah, yeah. I told Joe, I was like, uh, like you and Ben shot all the birds the day before. So uh, you know what? Those bastards. They could have left you a couple. Could have left me one. All I would have I would have been happy Just with one. Them. The greedy motherfuckers. Something. The goose. Would have got something from three hundred plus miles of driving. You know, chasing birds. Right. And and so I didn't walk away with a single bird uh, from the last weekend of, of duck hunting season. But but you tried. You I tried. Think. Like. There were probably no more opportunities in the in the time that you were given, right? It, it wasn't great. And Grizzly had a when I left, they had a point seven bird average. Uh, so, uh, so I wasn't the only one getting skunked uh, <laughs> out there. But uh, you know, what's what's the what's the normal average? I mean, it depends on the day and time. Like Sundays are already tough because they'd been shot at the day before on Saturdays, right? Uh -huh. So, and it's at the end of the season. There's no weather, no wind, or anything. So, I mean, right. 
I mean, normal is, you know, a couple of birds, two or three probably. Some people will get limits. They didn't have any limits come in by the time I left at, uh, I got, got out of there at like 1130 or something, 12, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. you know, there are no limits. So, um, so, you know, it is what it is. I salvaged the day, went home, watched, uh, the 49ers lose. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so no ducks, your team loses. And I was like, can we just do a repeat of this weekend? Like, what was your thought, you know, by Sunday night? I, I wasn't even pissed, dude. I got to go out and do what I enjoy and be outdoors and, you know, and and try. I couldn't be pissed. I got on at Grizzly Island. Again, I would have been pissed if I was at Sacramento mm-hmm. and didn't get on and then had to figure right. shit out and get, like, three hours of sleep or something. And, you know, uh, so I got a decent night's sleep and I got to get out and – not shoot birds and that's happened a handful of times at grizzly but i've also had good hunts at grizzly and i shot you know my first band at grizzly this season right, right. so yeah, yeah yeah so no complaints ended with 30 birds for the season which is that's that sounds impressive to me a band is a goose right no it's a metal band that uh uh they that the wildlife association uh puts on birds uh to track their flight pattern and uh and where they're harvested and stuff and so you get abandoned it's like a trophy for a duck hunter uh and in to put it in perspective i mean like joe and ben they have they haven't shot bands yet um it's pretty rare it's pretty wow yeah but but you get to like make a like a necklace out of there or something you can put it on your lanyard uh on your Uh where you have your duck calls and stuff that's what a lot of hunters do so i have not done that that's awesome good for you so there must be somebody at the you know department of fish and wildlife or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. who's got you know the gps tracker um on their on their you know huge like six monitors right and here's your bird and they're like watching this real time so now you're thinking of like the duck hunt video game or something because it's not gps it's just metal uh fun out of it then but i think i think geese some geese sometimes they put big big ones around their neck that i think do have gps implemented maybe in them um Mm -hmm. so there are some for geese but not not for ducks it's it's really just a tiny metal ring with an id that you put into a website and then you can find where it came from so um how do they get these things on these ducks are there like people out there with tranquilizer guns or yeah so they have they have like a a gun that shoots a net out um Uh you know uh and they they get a bunch of birds and then they band them all and then they let them all go Uh, interesting yeah yeah it's uh it's pretty cool so uh, that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah um so all in a decent season um not yeah. So, so, how do you feel now that the season's over? You know, how does this kind of compare with previous seasons you've had in terms of the number of ducks uh, you know that um, have been yeah. available to you, and mm-hmm. you know your your contacts and your aim and well, you're saying that the con- that. the contacts have been really valuable. Uh, I've been aiming a lot better. I've, I mean, I still have opportunities, uh, you know, I, and I'm continually learning and growing. Um, so, I mean, last season um, I shot ten birds. This season, thirty. So, um, much better in that regard. Uh, I'm gonna, I still have yet to get my first limit, but hopefully next mm-hmm. season, next season that'll happen. So, uh, All right. that's the plan. Uh, Yay. I, yeah. Well, I think we've wait, let Dale wait long, long enough in the way. Yeah. Let's get her so, in here. She's going to be mad. Yeah. I think the peanut bowl is empty and, uh, we should, right. we should, <laughs> we should bring her on in. So, uh, 
Yeah, so again, this is Dale Bellasio. Uh, for, for a little context, uh, she's uh, the lead singer of a, a band called Missing Persons. Um, she recorded uh, with and had, you know, an extensive, you know, s- s- great stories about her time with Frank Zappa, uh, which you can hear in the first part of this podcast. In this part of the interview, um, we'll talk more uh, about Missing Persons and, uh, and about her time with Prince. She had a relationship with Prince. Uh, that we'll, uh, we'll get into uh, a little bit, um, and uh, and what she's got going, and and again she has a uh, um, she has a new autobiography out um, called Life Is So Strange. This interview does get emotional at points, uh, so it's uh, so you know have a box of tissues nearby. Of course, missing persons, right? I mean, you, I mean, you went, you took missing persons to this new heights, and uh, and. Uh, again, the same way through you did with Frank, you uh, were able to get missing persons on the radio on K Rock, and uh, and that helped um, Mental Hopscotch explode to to number one of nineteen eighty, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I climbed up the fire escape to K Rock and hopped on the door, and Richard Blady answered the door, and I put the album in front of my face. I said, "Will you play this record at lunchtime, please?" He started laughing. <laughs> he said, "How did you get up here?" I said, "I closed the fire escape." It's <laughs> <laughs> what I do. That's <laughs> no. what I do. <laughs> it's, it's a way to get something done, you know. Yeah, that's what Jerry said. She goes again up the fire escape. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they make those anymore. <laughs> Probably for that reason, I imagine, right? No. <laughs> Watch out. <I> know. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, and missing persons, yeah, we <laughs> we made a condition that couldn't be ignored. By the time I got to the missing persons level, I was really fighting for myself. I was really, uh, I was... Uh, I, I I can't never let the torch down for missing persons. It's my greatest invention <clears throat> of my life. Yeah. All my music, all the words that I get to say, and then I get to talk to people like you and oh. say how we need to help the world and make it a better place. Oh, yeah. And, and you played the biggest show of your career, actually, like two days after I was born. Um, the Us Festival. Uh, oh, happy birthday! Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Yeah. You're an Us baby. Right? You're an Us baby. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. You know, I mean, that would have been, I mean, just seeing the the bands that played the same day as you, Bowie, uh, you know, Stevie, you too. Like, I mean, it's so incredible, right? Like, what Oh, like- yeah, that was crazy. Are you kidding me? When I heard David Bowie was playing, I go, oh, we're going. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're playing. <laughs> he called us up, and my my um, my producer, Ken Scott, was representing us at the time, and he called me up, and he said, you just got offered $250,000 to play the Us Festival. And for, it's a very short show, and it's a three-day event. I go, what are you talking about $250,000 for missing persons? We just played the Club 88 for $80. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, really? I said, well, you call them back. And, then, and what goes with it? Hotels? What? And he said, yeah, you get a helicopter, hotels. <laughs> it's crazy. 
I said, oh, that sounds like a really good deal. But let me tell you something. I don't want the helicopters. I want five parking spaces backstage at the stage. And I want 350000 And Ken went, what? What did you just say? <laughs> I said, you heard me. If they're willing to pay me $250,000, they're going to pay me $350,000. Club 88 band over here, missing persons, we're worth 80 bucks on the books. Get, get, get the deal. Make the deal. He said, okay, you're making a big mistake. How could you talk to, how could you say this? What's wrong with you? I go, did you hear what I said? 350 no helicopters, five parking spaces at the stage. You got that? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I hang up. I was really a bitch. <laughs> but, I gotta tell you. Steve Wozniak was a big fan of your I band, had right? I moments. <laughs> that was one of them. He yeah. called me back in 15 minutes. He said, all right, my mind is fucking blown. You got the deal. You got three hundred fifty thousand dollars in five parking spaces. You gave up the helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "All right, motherfucker!" Yeah, <laughs> that was the beginning. That day, <laughs> I went through the roof. I said, "I am going to take care of missing persons from here on out." You listen to what I fucking say, and we will be at the top. Yeah. And Steve Wozniak was just a big fan of your band, right? Like he, he, he I've never to... met him. I didn't even know. He even. I didn't even know. I don't even think anybody even knew who we were back then. Oh, wow. <laughs> they knew that day. They did. Oh, they did. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <clears throat> but really, it was all downhill from there. Because <laughs> yeah. that was one of the biggest. That was the biggest show I've ever played. Oh yeah, but what an what an accomplishment, what a milestone, right? Like to <laughs> to get to share the stage with those those legends and get to be a part of that experience and and everything. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty insane. It was unbelievable. Yeah. <clears throat> but they threw off, they threw us off the stage of David Bowie, so I I couldn't stay on the stage, and I just said fuck this, I'm leaving. Yeah, got, got in my car, and drove out. <laughs> it took about five hours hours to get out of there <clears throat> but um yeah it was uh it was all it was it, it, it couldn't it couldn't get any better than that that was what was scary from then on yeah, yeah. you know so uh everything from then on was like oh, oh yeah we can do this oh yeah we can do that we played the house festival fucking sure yeah we can do this <laughs> <You know>? yeah <clears throat> so so, so Dale, tell tell me about your relationship with Prince because that's really interesting to me. I mean, it I mean, it seems like there were it went pretty deep. Yeah, it was uh, very very intense. Um, gee, I, it's uh, you know I I speak about him in the book uh, as kind of like in a bit of a philosophy kind of way. Um, I. <laughs> It's hard to put into words. <clears throat> I I love him, but I wasn't in love with him. I'm not in love with anybody. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. I'm not in love with anybody. I love a lot of people. I do. And I when I love you, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul. I don't just say I love you. I do it. 
I am that person. <laughs> I am the smothering, loving, overwhelming person that will, will kiss you to death. I'm that person, and, and, and my, my love is overwhelming. Maybe that's why I'm not with a man. I love my two sons so much that, that I'm so <clears throat> endorsed by them in life. I don't need anything else. I don't need, I don't need sex. I had enough of that in the 80s. I had screwed about 250 people. I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. It's, it's, too, it's too high rate, high rated. And, uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, that's all nice. It flows really nice off your lips, but it doesn't really work out. No, no. <laughs> it's a real dead-end street. <clears throat> Personally, for me, I like my freedom. And my independence... Um, that's what I live by. As I say, you can't tell me what to do. I, it's not going to happen. Never. You know, I'm just not that person. I, I, I don't color inside the lines. I'm all outside of it. I'm all around it. And I, I'm, I'm never going to stop. Never, ever, ever. And I, I won't die because my music will haunt you till, till you die. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And, um, that's very important. You know, I'm not afraid of anything really. I, I can't, I can't tell you. I can't know. I am afraid of spiders. <laughs> it's fair. A lot of people are, right? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. But after that, I'm all good. Cause I feel like I have a net around me and I, 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 I can fly. I don't, I don't feel restricted in any which way whatsoever. That's why when I said, okay, time, I'm going to write this book now, and I wrote the book, you know, I, I say things to myself and I make myself do it. I don't skirt myself. If I make myself a, an agreement, I follow through with it or else I'm a loser. Yeah. And I, I, I admit that. I say that and I conquer the things I have to. I, I make myself do it. Run through the ring of fire and don't say, I don't feel good today. I say, no, I, I'm going to be feeling better. I, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. And it's intense life because I don't stop there. And, and I see it as a, as a whole. I see it as, a, as, a, as, the, as I say, the big picture, not the little picture. Okay, details are important. I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God lives in the details. But you know what? If you don't have the big fucking picture, you ain't going nowhere. Okay? Because you're going to fall short anyway. No one reaches the stars, even if they're flying high to the fucking moon. But it's not going to happen. So give yourself the leeway to, to, to fall short. And then you will be successful because you won't be afraid of yourself. You will take the chances. This whole life is a chance. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a roll of the dice, babe. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you know, it's anybody's guess. What's going to happen in five minutes from now? You never and know. I'm, you never know. Yeah. And and so you so one part I remember you picked Prince up in a, a red Corvette, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I walk in this club called Tramps and I, I see him over there standing with two bodyguards. 
And I say to my friend, Philip, I go, Philip, I'm going to go talk to Prince. I'm going to go dance with Prince. And he says, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> I go, yeah, I can't really see. So I walk over to him, and I poke him on the nose with my finger. <laughs> and his two bodyguards jump at me like frogs. <laughs> and he says, it's all right, it's all right. And I say, hey, is that you in there? <laughs> Do you want to dance? He said, he looked at me and goes, it's me. because you poked me on the nose. I said, I know I poked you on the nose because I want to dance with you. You're the best dancer in the place. So what do you think? He just turned around and spun away from me. And I thought, oh, he's pissed off. But he walked to the dance floor. So I followed him. And he just turned around. He stood there and they were playing Little Red Corvette. So he started dancing. <laughs> he started dancing like a robot. <laughs> he did a terrible dance. <laughs> and I, I'm not really a dancer myself. So he says, do you want something to drink? I go, yes, champagne. He walked off the dance floor, sat in the booth. <laughs> I followed him and sat next to him. And he looked at me and and in two seconds, the champagne was there from the waiter. <laughs> he hands me the glass. I go, okay, things are happening like lightning. I take a little sip of the champagne. And he says to me, he says, do you have a car? I say, well, sorry. He's like, Frank. <laughs> I go, yep. I go, yeah, I have a car. <laughs> I do. And he says, what kind of a car do you have? I said, I have a red Corvette. I know. I said, I have a Corvette. He said, what color? I said, red. <laughs> and I started laughing. He said, you have a red Corvette right now? <laughs> yeah. He said, will you take me for a ride? I said, yes, I will. Right now? I, he, he said, yeah. I said, yeah, sure, let's go. So we just jumped up out of the seat. I ran out the front, told the valet to get my car. He went and said something. He said, I'll meet you around the corner in my limo. So I pull out. I got, go up. I get on Wilshire Boulevard. It's like at Wilshire in, in uh, Santa Monica. <clears throat> and I pull over on the right. Big, wide, wide street, Wilshire Boulevard. And... um so, so, so I see the limousine pull up, pulls up. He jumps out and he comes over and he opens my cor- the car, the Corvette, and he gets in the passenger side. <clears throat> and the limo takes off. And he says, will you drive me really fast? And I looked at him and I said, you're talking to the wrong person because I'm a race car driver. <laughs> I start laughing. I start laughing. And I hit the fucking gas pedal, and I'm going now. I'm passing 60, 80, 90, 100. I'm at 120. I'm about six seconds from Wilshire at Santa Monica to Wilshire at Westwood Boulevard. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing 120 now. And he screams so loud, so treacherously, stop! And I I freak out. And I, so I download, I down, down speed it. I down, I down speed. 
in the car, down the gears, and I pull it all the way down. I pull it down second. No, I, you know, I, I just, I, I pull all the way back. I come all the way down, and I'm pulling really slow, pulling slow, and he's, he's just frozen. I go, you all right? You all right? You told me you drive you really fast. I did. Don't you ask me to do it for you? I'll do it. <laughs> he goes, yeah. I'm okay now. I'm okay now. Okay, okay. I got scared. I go, I know. That's what you wanted to do. Get scared. <laughs> right? <laughs> he was he was a funny guy. I'm telling you. He was really, really unique. And he says, okay, go slow now and stop at every stop sign. All right? So now we're going through the middle of, of Beverly Hills and I'm stopping at stop signs. He goes, okay, go down here, take a right. There's my house over there. And the big, one of those big Gaelic lights out front and there's a purple rain motorcycle and all these people. And I'm like, holy shit, is this is your house? And he's, yeah, come on, let's go in. Pull up out front, park next to the bike. I pull up on the lawn on <laughs> Beverly Hills. And I park next to the purple rain bike. And we get out of the car and he opens the front door. People are coming and going. They're everywhere. And they just look at him. The house is all white, white, everything, white, white, white. He walks me in and just takes me by the hand and walks me up these stairs. I'm in these two big French doors, opens the door. We go in this room and he closes the doors. And I, I go, but you're having a party. This is your house and you're having this party? And you're not even here for your party? What are you doing? <laughs> he didn't answer me. I'd say lots of things and he didn't answer. He'd just look or move something or walk out of the room or do something odd. He was a character in his own right. I mean, he, he deserved a, a, a Disney movie. That's what, what he should be. They yeah. should make a giant Disney movie about him, not the radical side of him, the, the, the fluffy, funny, cute, loving side of him, because there was that. He was like a teddy bear. He was so mushy and easily popped as a, a, like a balloon um, or a bubble. He, he was just floating. He... You know, and I, I the funny thing is, I, I, I would I'd say this about him is that the fear that he would create amongst people was the fear that he had. He was shaken in his boots. He was petrified, like everywhere he went. He just seemed to he was a ball of nerves and he was a, like a wreck. I'm like, we could cool out, man. He wouldn't even take his shoes off. He slept in the bed with me with his shoes on. We didn't sleep, but if you kind of can follow my gist. Yeah. And I, I didn't know why he was naked with boots on. And I'm like, okay, you're cute, but that's a little funny. <laughs> you got to take the shoes off, huh? <laughs> but he was, he was cute. He, he had these like funny, funny little things about him that were so childlike. And then, you know, in two seconds later, he'd be you know, telling you what to do and how to do it. And if you didn't like it, then get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how it happened, you know. I went along with him for quite a while. And, then, and we, yeah, we had a love affair. You know, I hugged and kissed him for sure. And I don't think he did that with a lot of people. He couldn't do that. He was so hostile and so brittle and so unlovable. I believe he wasn't uh, of the world of this kind. 
of people. And he was looking for something that was not on this planet. I don't know. I don't know what he was looking for, but it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't me. That's for sure because I couldn't do for him what he needed. He 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 more needed a slave than a real a real woman. And I think a lot of the women that he got involved in were very almighty and were very strong and courageous. And only the, the part of them that was loving and kind, he took for a weakness. And he really missed the, he missed the boat because we were all tough bitches. Yeah. That's, you know, and we floated to him and, uh, and, and kept on going. You know, he, even his two, those wives that he married, those women, this strong constitutional women. <laughs> There's no flies on them, and don't think there is, because you, you couldn't take Prince to the cleaners. It wasn't going to happen. You weren't going to take him for a ride. He'd have you blown up before it was over. Yeah. <laughs> have, you'd, be, you'd be dust. And he was cold and hot ass, and that's what he called me. That was the funny part about it. He called me cold and hot ass. And he knew that I had so much strength that I could walk over him. And I wasn't going to marry him, and I wasn't going to take his money, because I don't want the money. Yeah. And I don't want that kind of position. I never did. And I will never be that person. <clears throat> I don't care if I die with no bread. Uh, I I don't care. <laughs> it's not going to make me. That doesn't make me the, the woman I want to be. And I don't see it that way. I, I don't want a... I, I don't know what I would do if I if I had a fifty million dollar home. I'd, I'd probably invite all my friends to come and live with me because yeah. I wouldn't want to be there by myself. And and he wanted to be alone, but he wanted to be with so many people. And I really believe that he didn't really have any love affairs with any women except for me. And I think they all think they think they did, but I don't think they went there in his head, in his mind. I don't know about that because it took a real fucking crowbar to get through his head and to get through to any of his feelings. And he cried on his knee to me and asked me to marry him. And there's no doubt in my mind of how much that he wanted me in his life. And I, I was the one, that was the one thing I, I couldn't say okay to. I knew it hurt him and I, I knew it would hurt him, but I couldn't help it. I, I had to save myself. I, I couldn't go there. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, you weren't in love with him, but but the relationship, the uh, intimacy, that felt right at the time for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, making love or, or with people in, in the 80s was, that was the joyous part and the freedom that I think we all had. Um, it wasn't that we were whores or, or racial or radical. We were looking for love. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we all were. I don't think that was a bad thing. And uh, love is not a bad thing, no matter how you get it, you know, it's everybody's looking for compassion and somebody to touch and somebody to hold or, or, or at least it's to think they thought they did, you know, may, it might fix something and probably won't. But, you know, we like to think it does. So it's, it's, it's I, I don't begrudge anyone with a loving partner by their side. I think that's, you know, you can do that and then you're more, you know, more of a person than me. I'm, I'm too greedy of myself. I, I can't give like that. I can't, I can't, um, I can't separate that love to kindness. It's all one thing for me. Always, always the same. It's the love of the world. 
not the love of one single person. I, you know, I, I take care of my responsibilities, which were given to me, my sons, and I, I always take care of them till I die and on and after. Everything I have and I live for and I've made and created is for my sons. That's it. And I'm grateful that they will have that to carry my life. And I, then it gives me meaning. Then it wasn't a waste, was it? Your children are, are the light of your lives, and anyone to to say they're not, then they're just denying that. And I think that when Prince lost the chance of having a child, uh, it broke him. It broke him pretty bad, and then he could see no further. And he kept trying, but it it didn't it didn't work for him. And he he kept thinking all these little things would fix the problem. Once you realize there's no fix, you're okay. <laughs> then you can get by. <laughs> then you're not expecting, you know, if you, if you go through life every day expecting this or that or blah, 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 it's not going to happen. And you're just going to be disappointed, you know. So there are all these little sayings in life and how, how to, you know, be in the moment. And I think, yeah, I, I had a love affair with him. I We did things um, under the covers. And uh, I, I, I can't say it out loud because... It's private, and I do have a few secrets that I will keep for him, and um, it's out of my respect for him, and out of the respect of all the musicians in the whole world, and the people that love and, and, and put him to the highest regard, and he belongs there. He belongs there. And he, he, he gave me... He gave me... <laughs> He gave me another chance. You see, that's what he gave me. Not not so much love. You know, I don't think he had love to give. He gave me a chance. He gave me another chance at my music. He gave me another chance to talk and to do what I do, you know. And, and, and even though I'm as independent as I am, I, I have my... I have my... my my cross to bear to, you know, yeah. I have to say goodbye to, to a lot of people that I really love. And I, I didn't get to tell him what I should have after because he got mad at me. Like he got mad at everybody else. You know, he got mad at me one day and said, you're fired. How much money do you want? And I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> like, like a child, you yeah. know, like a child. And I told him money isn't the matter here. You owe me. We made a deal. We made a deal. The deal is what you're reneging on. <clears throat> and he said, no, no, no. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. I said, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're making a mistake. It has nothing to do with money. <clears throat> and we had a three-album deal, and you're reneging on me. He said, yeah, I am. Everything's done. It's over. Because you don't love me. You don't love me. I, he said, who do you love? Do you love your father, or do you love me? He made you choose. Yeah, I said, I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? I love my father. And that was it. He said, okay, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. How much money do you want? I'll give it to you tomorrow. Tell me now. I said, okay. He wanted a price tag, 50 grand. I want $50,000 in my bank account tomorrow. I should have said 500000 I was stupid. No, you <laughs> cut yourself short a little bit. <laughs> And it was there. 50000 the next day. Signed and sealed. Never took my call again. Yeah. Then 
then my children were born, and they were about two and four. And he he had a, a club in Minneapolis, and he sent me ten thousand dollars and uh, asked me to play a concert there. Gave me the time and the place and the hotels, and I went there with my band. <laughs> and no one was there. Hmm. And my husband, Richard, was with me. My husband and my two sons. And there was no one there. The place was empty. And the, the, the road crew was there and the sound people and the lights. And they said, okay, and the show's going to start. And I said, there's nobody here. There's not one person here. He said, oh, well, there's somebody here. And this is the time they played the concert now, said the road crew. <laughs> so we played the show and there was no one there. There was no one there. And I assume it was for him. The show was for him. He was back there in the in the box being the wire that he was. And he saw the show and I went home and I never heard from him again. Yeah. Wow. And so so flashing forward here, Dale, to uh, 2020, you put out uh, Dreaming, which was your second solo album, is Missing Persons, right? It had a lot of uh, covers on it. And tell me how that album came about for you. Yeah, I kind of slid into that because I was in a really um, a, a, a kind of a, a vain mode. I, I so much was trying to pursue the real missing persons and they weren't having it. I thought we could make a record together. And then I thought, okay, well, we better just go make a record. That's all. I, I just wanted to see how I felt about being natural and singing, kind of just, you know, see how I would feel about being sing-songy. It's okay. I, I made a few songs in there that I really like. And um, I, <clears throat> I, I love my song, Dreaming. And my song "Lipstick Killer," they, they they're very important to me, and um, I'm in love with um, the um, the song "I Want to Go Outside in the Rain" by the Dramatics. It's my favorite song in the whole world. Yeah, and um, and so uh, from from that, do you play a lot of the songs live from uh, from Dreaming as well? <clears throat> no. Yeah. No, because uh, <coughs> it, it, we hit COVID, <coughs> and then um, there really weren't many shows left. Yeah. Well, now we're just really pulling it back together, and that record kind of went by the wayside. Um, but it's another notch in my belt as they go. I don't don't think that I will ever create anything better than Spring Session M as I say, and um, it's the, the it's, that's it, you know, that uh, if you get one song in this lifetime, you're lucky, and I got on a, a whole album full of that Spring Session M, every song on that uh, is uh, historic, and I play mostly all those songs live, yeah, that's and, what I do. And that album went gold, right? Um, the, the record went gold, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, which is, I mean, that's an accomplishment. That's huge. So, I mean, it's definitely, uh, you, you left your mark with with that. And I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of, you know? I mean, so you've you've done so much over the course of your career and, and you've had these milestones with personal relationships and your music that, you know, that you've created and uh, and so many people that, you know, did appreciate your music and love it and uh you know and to get to go out and do that live is you know uh, is incredible as well right whether it's for one person yeah. or yeah you know the thing <clears throat> when i was making the um prince album um uh, it's called dale because he didn't want bozio on there he he, he didn't like terry he, he he just uh as a person um he loved his music and he he prince was a drummer really and deep down he was a drummer and um he he loved missing persons music because he loved the drums so much he had a eight track tape of eight hours of missing persons music over and over and over and over in a tape loop and he made me sit with him for eight hours and listen to it wow and yeah yeah uh like it's very intense I went to some intense plateaus with him, for him, for him, to to help him also, and to be kind to him, um, without trying to teach him I, that I wasn't taking. But he 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 wouldn't he, he wouldn't go for it, and and it's that's the that's the part of him that just erased people. And if you could not take that personally, it would be better for you as a person. But um, he he was kind of brutal like that, you know. Um, you gotta this, <laughs> you know that old that old saying: roll with the punches. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you, if you want to play the game, you gotta roll with the punches. You really do. And this is not, you know, this is a doggy dog world. Being a rock star, <laughs> it's not. It's not for the faint of heart. I believe me, it is not. And the people that that have the longevity uh, are the independent ones. They're the only ones with the courage because you 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 fade sooner or later. You fade, and then and then most of the people don't have the kind of money that that Prince landed. So yeah, you fade. You fade financially or you fade emotionally, one way or another. It's really hot. Yeah. So Dale, do you do you still write music? Do you are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, all the time. I'm a writer. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I write. I write like crazy. I have hundred or so books. They're all here, and I stack them up. I get. I write them and write them and write them. And yeah, I get so many things. I'm, I write about. I'm writing now a new um, a new story about my mother, and because my mother was born in 1922. And she was born in prison. My grandmother was 14 years old and they put her in prison because she was raped and pregnant and pregnant women went to prison. <laughs> oh, man. And you, okay? Yeah, I think... Okay. Yeah. okay? Okay. Yeah. So you wonder why I dyed my hair blue? <laughs> <laughs> I was about to put spikes on my head and go into the freaking streets of hell and tell everybody to wake the fuck up because if it weren't for my grandmother being raped i wouldn't be here yeah okay now that now that think about right like that was a very horrible 
violating situation and made me my life. It gave me freedom. Her rape made my world. Can you imagine that? Can you just grasp that for one half second? At 14 years old, she's raped, becomes my mother in her stomach. She's born at my grandmother's 15. They take her away from my grandmother. They take the baby away and put her in a convent. What? What? <clears throat> That's society for you. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Okay. You tell me that's all right. No, no, it's not. It's not. And so, yeah. no, it's not all right. It's not all right. And there's lots of things that go on, even still right now on this planet, that are not all right. Okay, not. And we, as the people, and when you know the truth, you need to fix it. That's the thing that bothers me. Once you know the truth, you need to fix it. Huh. That's it, smarty pants. That's how I feel about everyone on this planet. Don't tell me what to do. Why don't you fucking do it? You fix it. And do it now. Because the world is crumbling. And the people are they're, 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 they're squirming for food. What kind of planet is that? What kind of people is that? Is that what you want to do to your mother? Put her on the street under a bridge? With a blanket on the ground? <laughs> What kind, of, what kind of people are you? That's what I say to everyone. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Do it in your own place. Clean up your backyard. Fix this. Fix it. <clears throat> all these people with all these money things and places and houses and oh yeah, yeah, cars that don't even look like cars. <laughs> and they want to drive by and go, hey, look at me. I'm so special. Well, I think you're so stupid. That's how I see it. And I, I, I believe me, the more I get, the more I give. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you'll find that. You'll find I will give you the shirt off my back. I will do what it takes to make you feel better because that will make me feel better in the long run. I'm going to feel proud of myself to fix something. Don't you feel good when you bake a cake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you no, know, it's, you know, you fix a flat tire. You feel like a hero. That's how I like it. That's how I like it. That's how I like it. And it's okay if God steps on me a little more. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be better at the end of the day for it. And I know it to be true because <laughs> I say it to myself all the time. You know, all the things that happened to me and the people that made me feel sad and, and, and didn't like me that day just made me <clears throat> know how deeper I had to dip into my soul to fix it to make it all right and to run my own strings like a puppet and don't let anybody pull your string. That's, that's how I feel about all the whole world. And that's how I got where I got. That's how come I climbed up the fire escapes. And that's how come I talked to the people that I really truly wanted to talk to because I thought they would be important to me and teach me something better than I already knew. And I always want to learn more every single day. And I, I read the Bible and I listen to people talk to me and I, 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 I listen to the news and I, I watch movies and, and I, I listen to, to anybody that has anything to say. <clears throat> Not so much music because I don't listen to music. Yeah. Well, I don't listen to music because it just brainwashes me and I can't think about my own music. So I don't really listen to other people's music. 
um, I appreciate what they all do and such, but uh, as I say, I'm not that voiced on everybody's music. Not even on, on Frank Zappa. I don't. I can't say I've listened to all his music or even all Prince's music, because it would just distract me. And I try to stay focused on on me, on what I do, and because I know I'm only with good intention. I, I I'm only for good intention of my family, my friends, my listeners, and anyone that wants to know can learn and and i i see it i see it that way i write that way that's how i write all the songs i write i wrote destination unknown about dying about the other side about where do we go from here what what happens when it's all done because i was so close and i woke up and i had to learn everything all over again after falling out that window and tell myself that everything would be all right you think that's really happy when you when you got a broken kneecap and your ribs are broken and you can't breathe and your head is split open and 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 you can't think and and you can't see <laughs> no that's the hard, hardest thing in the world i mean i couldn't even imagine like what you went through, through that whole. Thing. and i think of it now and i think wow what a breeze it, it really was and if we take that just inhale exhale attitude wow what a breeze life could really be and how you could just make all your decisions and all your choices and dreams come true because i did I did, and I do. Yeah. <laughs> I did, and I do. And sometimes I say, I'm going to relax now. I'm going to take some time off, and I'm going to think, and I'm just going to walk, and I'm going to dream. And then other times I say, oh, no, I'm going to go play 15 concerts this month. I'm going to nail them, and I'm going to smoke them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to make a record, and I'm going to make a video, and I'm going to, you know, and then I go, oh, I think I'll just... I don't know. I'll take a walk. <laughs> yeah, it, it set, set those goals realistically, but also you know uh, you've you, you've blown the the world up, right? So <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know, and you know what? Yeah. And I'm just a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little girl from Medford, Massachusetts. Yeah. Not no big deal, you know. I, I my mother wasn't a, a princess, and I didn't come from uh, the. the, the queen of siam i'm just a little girl from medford with big thoughts and <clears throat> and big dreams big big dreams yeah. so big and and fluffy uh that they still don't stop that's what's so <laughs> funny about me i i take myself to tears because i have such care and 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 I, I wish that I could do so much more. And then I realized that, that I am just this little girl and I'm not anything that can kind of make the mountain move, really. I'm, I'm just Dale. <laughs> hey, you're, you're Dale and you, you know, and so many people are grateful for that, right? And and the, your dreams aren't, aren't stopping. You continue to create and, uh, and, you know, Dale, I hope you can get up to, uh, here to the Bay Area and play some, some shows, you know. I mean, things are weird right now for sure, but uh, especially as we get into summer, uh, you know, outdoor shows are, are pretty safe, right? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know. Yeah, yeah, long live rock and roll. <laughs> I, I know. It's it's so weird, Dale, I'll tell you, you know, because I used to go to a concert a week, and I probably went to three last year, which is it's it's just weird. I miss it, you know. <laughs> but uh, and and shows still happen, but it's uh, 
there's a whole different feel to it, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's it's not the same. Yeah, no, it's yeah. not the no huggy kissy anymore. No, no, <laughs> you know, you gotta listen to the tunes and go home. It's kind of sad. It is, um, but but we'll find a way. You know, we'll yeah. find a way. Um, we'll just go back to the Roman days and we'll do everything outside. That's the way to, we got to do it right now. Yeah, we can do it, right? Yeah. Live music yeah. must go on. So, and. Uh, um, yeah, I hope I get a chance to see you live as well. So. Oh, and I, and I hope to get a chance to see you. And thank you so much for reading my book. And thank you for caring. And I love you. And I thank you for all the time you spent with me here today listening to, to my rhetoric. <laughs> thank you so much. And I just hope that someone gets a little bit of courage. And that, you know, it, it's okay that, that we have to be the underdog some days. It's okay, you know. Yeah. I, I I feel like that. You know, I always feel like I'm the I'm the I'm the one. I'm the I'm the I'm the I'm the runt. You know, I just feel like I was always so taboo in my life and just not really the person I wanted to be and I, I'm always still trying you know I'm, I'm still trying to reach the shelf in the kitchen <laughs> and thank god my son's a 6 two. <laughs> everything is giant for them so there is some relief in life you know yeah. if, if, if I can't do it someone I love will do it for me and I, I feel that way and I feel safe and happy and even though all my loved ones you know they, they've all they're, they're passed away my my greatest friends you know frank zappa and and prince and and my father and and my brother my brother died on my birthday and i have the same birthday as my son troy we have the same birthday march 2nd yeah it's very very heavy for me that day my brother died on that day and my mother died on that day i know that's that's such a crazy piece of knowledge that I was yeah. reading in your story yeah. and it's just like you know I mean it's a day I, of celebration I don't think about it no I I don't get it you know I, I don't get it I have them cremated they're here on my shelf and my brother said to me cremate me and put me next to my mother next to our mother on the sh- on your shelf <laughs> and I thought why do you want to be on my shelf <laughs> Why, why, <laughs> why are they on my shelf? My mother and my brother, who <laughs> I, I could never get to in my whole life. I, I tried to be so close to them and, and love them. And for some reason, the universe took them away from me. I tried to get back to them so much and so many times. And now they sit in a box on my shelf. Yeah, well... And, and they're, but they're here, but they're with me. And so how how strange, that's what I mean. Yeah. How how awkward and strange every day. And so we, you can't tempt the hands of fate. And we need all to have the faith, not so much that it's God, but the faith in ourselves, that we will stand up for ourselves tomorrow maybe if it's raining or not so sunny, that we will we, we'll come through for us, not have to reach out and get another person to fix it for us. Yeah. To fix, fix it right here, right where you are, well, that, all the time, you know? Yeah, that That's birthday... I want. I, I want everyone to know it's possible. Because I, I just say, you know, the things that have happened to me, that it was so great and giant and banging and big. <laughs> and and my life is so tiny. 
Yeah. It, it, it's not that thing is banging and crashing, you know, when I'm all alone by myself. It's so calm and quiet. And yeah. I wonder yeah. how all the commotion could happen. Yeah. And, and there you go. And I was capable enough to remember it all in the truth of my wisdom and capture it all in all these incredible friends that I had, including uh, Robert Brookins, who was the, 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 who made that record for me. And he was friends with Jackie Jackson in the Jacksons. And Jackie Jackson was a very dear friend of mine. I love him very much. To this day, I love him. And he was someone <clears throat> that I couldn't, I couldn't really love. And, and I did love. And he had problems in his uh, family. And I wasn't allowed I, I I they they aced me out and Jackie didn't even know why and then I ran away from him and didn't even tell him and I wrote it in the book and I don't know if he'll ever read it or even never talk to me again but he was the most handsome beautiful man kind and loving and incredibly supportive oh my lord what an what a what a mountain of strength yeah, and, and I believe he held that family together really for Michael and for all of them. He, he's he's a he's a tower of strength, Jackie Jackson. I love him. I love him, and I hope sometime he'll find out and know that in his heart, because okay. uh, I couldn't marry him either. I I couldn't do it, and I didn't, and I didn't do it. Yeah, and um. You know, some things that go by your life and when you get enough time to think about them, the true meaning is probably not what was on the surface until you really, <laughs> until you really get to know what happened and time enough can heal anything. It does. And if the, if the, if the wounds of all could be healed, then how happy we would be. So it's a struggle, you know, it's a struggle every day with the world at large and all the problems that we have. Got to tackle them one at a time yeah. and you, you know you can do it. You know you can do it. You just can't give up. That's all. Yeah. So I, I will never give up. Don't give up. <laughs> I'll one, keep going. One day at a time. <laughs> what I do keep, for all of us. Keep on writing, keep making music and... Uh, Keep, you know, play shows also because it's, uh, you know, it's all about the live music at the end of the day, right? Being able to play it live and have people, you know, appreciate and love it and, uh, and um, you know, and be able to be part of that experience, right? You're right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that because it's, it's, you know, it's hard to to go out and play these shows and give up your strength and the, and the time that it takes, you know, and then you come home and, and the crowd's gone and there's no more laughter and care and you're all alone, you know, and, and I think that's what happens to these rock stars and including me, we, we, we get sad and lonely and blue yeah. and we can't, we can't fight it then. And it, it takes us over and we cave. Yeah. Well, Dale, I love you too, and thank you for the time, uh, and um, and I, I look forward to hearing from you soon, okay? I love you so much for your time and your energy today, and thank you so much for always thinking of me. I love you, okay? Call me anytime. All right, I will. I'll let you know when the, uh, the episode comes out, okay? Okay, I love you. Thank love you. you. Thanks, okay. Dale. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. 
That was the interview with Del Bazio here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, that takes us to the final segment on the program. What is it? Well, Steve, it is that time of the podcast where we are going to shift focus and talk about what's going on in the world of music. So it is our music news segment. That is right. We each have a couple of stories for you. and But actually, most of the stories have to do with each other because there's really one big thing that has sh- kind of shattered the music world. And uh, we'd be fools to not talk about it. So, um, Jens, why don't you break the story for us and uh, uh, we'll break it open and we'll, we'll peel back the onion a little bit in different layers and how it affects different artists, okay? Are, are, are we going to cry? Is this like a sob session? I mean, not me because I don't really use this service but uh but I'm, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure there's many people that are shedding tears right now and and, people, right. and some people that might be jumping off of buildings uh, uh so, could be i mean but go ahead yeah so you're right i mean this is a big story and um it's good that we're kind of you know splitting this up and and and, and sharing it so um we're talking about an artist here that you and I have both seen together. We are. Uh, he uh, doesn't do this show anymore, but this was back in, um, gosh, I don't know, a few years ago. Definitely pre-pandemic, right? Um, was it 2018? The School Benefit? 2018 or 2017, probably around there, right? I think so. A couple years before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Neil Young's Bridge School Benefit. Yes. And... Um, that was that was an amazing event in and of itself. But uh, this story here is about Neil Young, um, who allows Spotify to stream his music. Apparently, he doesn't allow that any longer. No, no, he changed <laughs> his mind, didn't he? He did, he did, he did, he did. So uh, many of you are familiar with Joe Rogan's podcast. And um, that is also that also streams over Spotify. And um, I guess the story, in short, goes that uh, Joe Rogan had, you know, uh, uh, was um, voicing misinformation about uh, COVID. So, so let me get so, specific on that. Yeah, right? I would I would be careful because, you know, so. I'll let you tell the story, and then I watched Joe Rogan's response video last night, actually, to to this, before I even knew a lot of layers to mm. this, but I'm seeing a, a lot of layers from here, so, so go, go ahead. So the onion is peeling, so I want to make sure that I don't provide misinformation on the misinformation. <laughs> okay, yes. Keep, keep to the facts, Jens, okay? We don't want to keep be... The facts. We don't want to be one of those podcasts spreading misinformation, okay? <laughs> right, okay. So, um... Neil Young's decision to remove his music from Spotify uh, is due to the persistent stream of misinformation about vaccines, uh, specifically on the Joe Rogan experience, um, has earned Neil Young uh, more attention than he's received in years. Uh, But some critics, most notably the anti-vaccine crowd, have accused him of somehow trying to censor Rogan. Ooh, okay. So you know that's sad. Yeah, that the people jump to that conclusion. They're just like trying to fill in gaps where it's not necessarily yeah. there. I mean, I'm not. I don't listen to the Joe Rogan thing, I, yeah. but I know that there's been some. He's done some amazing 
He's had he's, some amazing content out there, right? I mean, he's one of he's inarguably one of the kings of podcasting. Like, yeah. he's they they paid him like eight billion dollars or something to go to Spotify, and I think they regretted it. Um, you know, I mean, after they signed that check <laughs> and we realized okay, <laughs> they're regretting it now. This is a podcast, yeah. but but uh, uh but yeah. I I think he's also done fairly well. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, he definitely did well before going to Spotify. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry, carry on. Okay, I will carry on. Uh, some more uh, peeling of the layers of the onion. So in a new letter on the Neil Young archives, uh, he responds to that line of attack. Quote, I support free speech, he wrote. Quote, I have never been in favor of censorship. Private companies have the right to choose what they profit from, just as I can choose not to have my music support a platform that disseminates harmful information. I am happy and proud to stand in solidarity with the frontline health care workers who risk their lives every day to help others. Unquote. Elsewhere in the letter, Young criticizes Spotify for reducing the quality of their sound files. Okay, to, so this is where I'm, okay. you know. I'm like, what? Like, okay, no, this so, has nothing this, to do with it. Neil Young created his own fucking devices to be able to have the, the greatest sound quality in the world, right? And or, right. or something. Like, he created this. So you can't just, like, you know, spit on a platform for doing uh, its thing at a level where people can actually download it, right? I mean... Young's young stuff is very high quality from what I understand his material mm-hmm. to be able to feel like you're in the studio with him and mm-hmm. and mad respect to him and his nerd f- followers who, who who enjoy that shit. But, you know, again, I mean, if we're talking Spotify has different layers, right? There's music, but then there's podcasts and podcasts. It doesn't fucking matter. Look, I mean, to be honest, we're using like twenty eight dollar microphones here. Uh, I got a microphone jerry rigged to the iPad, you know, uh, to to record audio from you know uh, from our you know our FaceTime that we're doing, and right. and it's fine. It's right. it's fine. I mean, okay, we're not Some pulling. Some people got to show off. We're not pulling Rogan numbers. We're not pulling near young numbers, uh, to be honest. But <laughs> but but I've listened to my podcast, and I listen to many other podcasts, and I can you know, tell that ours is just as equal as long as we're not rustling microphones, <laughs> you know, then uh, as, as, as others. So eating, chewing, I'm, right. I'm sorry. I just went down that road, but, um, so yeah, I, I, I can definitely hear the whole audio, you know, file thing. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I totally agree with you in terms of podcasts. It really doesn't make any difference. You're listening to the conversation. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So, so Neil Young basically writes, um, if you support Spotify, you are destroying an art form. Uh, business over art. Uh, Spotify plays an artist's music at 5% of its quality and charges you like okay. it was the real thing. So I don't even I don't even care about the audio piece anymore. I just want right. to talk about what, stop what happened. And, and so... So let's just kind of break down what happened a little bit, right? Uh, and, and and I'll share what I heard from Joe Rogan yesterday. Uh, he recorded a video. It looked like he was in a park. He was on his phone, like walking, you know, just like not even holding perfectly still. But he, it was a 10-minute video that he just addressed the whole thing. And he gave respect to, you know, to Spotify and to Neil Young. Um, he said he's a fan of Neil Young. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and Joe Rogan... Um, 
acknowledged some opportunities, but he said uh, what he said really uh, resonated. It, I mean, it made sense because Joe Rogan has had some people on who have differing, let's say, differing opinions from what is mainstream. Um, and uh, and one of the people that he had on, I forget who what his name is, to be honest, but I listened to the majority of one of the controversial podcasts that's in question here, um, which Joe Rogan's podcasts are like three hours long. So I, I listened to over two hours of this podcast um, a month ago or something when it came out. Uh, a, you know, a friend who's actually... Um, largely anti-vax uh recommended it and i'm willing to listen to the other perspective you know i didn't necessarily ring true for me uh a lot of what this person was saying but i heard where he was coming from and so joe rogan said this person ha is really credentialed and has uh had um a big part in making the mrna vaccines you know back in the day uh, and um, and so we wanted to share his perspective. Now, what Joe, what Joe Rogan acknowledged he had opportunity to do uh, was after that controversial sort of conversation, have a conversation with the other, you know, um, other side to show kind of both perspectives, you know, like right. close to close to each other to balance it more. So he's going to be making a, an effort to do that. But he's not apologizing for having a conversation and he's not trying to take any one stance or anything along those lines. He wants to learn from these people and uh, and understand and have interesting conversations in which this platform it's. You're allowed to do that. I can say whatever the fuck I want on on this platform, and no one cares. It's and I was thinking about that the other day, and it's just like, how is radio still alive? Because it's just so commercialized and uh, and worn out. And the fact that the yeah. FCC can still prohibit you from saying fuck shit, damn, whatever, you know, like all this stuff. It's just like, all you have to do is switch over to the podcast app and you can listen to things naturally in a natural fucking conversation. Right. right. right? So I digress. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So from your, from, from what you, cause I haven't, I haven't listened to the, the Rogan content. So from yeah. your perspective, it sounds like Rogan wasn't taking the anti-vax side or um, deliberately trying to. I don't remember him take actually taking a side in it. I think he mm -hmm. just, he gives these people, he does give them, you know, a platform a little bit and he has a wide yeah. audience. Right. And so that uh, in and of itself is kind of taken as, you know, as him kind of believing in these things uh, that mm -hmm. are, uh, that are maybe not as, factual you know with the what we believe you know to mm -hmm. to, to be existing right but it's a mm -hmm. different it's a different perspective um and mm -hmm. there and there might be some truth in you know in there too and he's going to dig into it and talk to the people for hours so it's not just a soundbite or anything along those lines right you right, right, right. have a full well i, I like the I, I like i like what he's saying there you know in terms of trying to balance things out and the importance of, you know, hearing both sides of things. But I also have just got to like fake my head, all those people yeah. out there that are trying to make something out of nothing. Right. It's, it's tough. And there's a lot on the bandwagon, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. So in, I'm going to just read one other thing from your story that here is uh, Spotify released a statement saying we want all the world's music and audio content to be available to Spotify users. With that comes great responsibility in balancing both safety for listeners and freedom for creators. 
We've detailed content policies in place, and we've removed over 20,000 podcast episodes related to COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. They regret Neil's decision to remove his music from Spotify, but hope to welcome him back soon. Uh, yeah, he, but he wrote, when I left Spotify, I felt better. Uh, as, uh, and he said, as an unexpected bonus, I sound better everywhere else, namely his platform, of course. Right? So, so, <laughs> yeah. So well, the, maybe that was finally the nail in the coffin for, for Neil. You know, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like he was never all that happy with Spotify anyway because of the sound quality. And maybe this one thing was like, you know what? Fuck these guys. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm out of here. You can, do what Spotify. He, you can do what he wants, but stock, Spotify's <laughs> yeah. stock did drop 25% because of this. Yeah, I future, read that. You know? Yeah. And, and so my, my piece of story is about Rivers Cuomo from uh, Weezer. Uh, he didn't pull mu- his music from Spotify, but he launched a Weezer-specific streaming service instead. Uh, he created Weezify himself uh, <laughs> last year. So this isn't a thing that happened this week, apparently. And he loaded it with over 3,000 of his own demos from 1975 through, 20- through 2017. Um, My God. But there are other musicians who are pulling their music from Spotify amid- amidst this. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, that creates a big mess, you know. It's like, uh, how far do you want to? How far do you want to take the fear? Like, are are bands going to be blamed for, um, you know, for supporting the anti-vaxxers by not removing their music from Spotify? I mean, how stupid is this going to get? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> nuts, man. It's uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think there was another, uh, you know. Um, Blast from the past, so to speak, that removed her music from Spotify. I think right after Neil did. Was it Jody Mitchell or someone? Do you remember that? That sounds fa- yeah, that sounds familiar. I think I think so you then, might be I think you might be right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so sorry, I totally interrupted you. Oh, so, uh, to 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 continue interrupting you, I was going to say, um, would it be crazy if every single band? had their own app so in order to listen to their to listen to music you know you, you don't have the app for every band it's like streaming services right like it's uh it, it used to be cable and now it's you have to have 14 different apps to d- downloaded to right. uh, to be able to watch any anything so yeah Hold it's I'm, it. I'm, I'm sure we're not far off from that so um yeah <laughs> I, I gave you a different story but it just kind of would break things up let, let me let's just wind out the pod with you know, a, right. a little touch of Dave Grohl. Um, Sounds good. You know, and uh, and I What's think what's going on in the world of Dave. I think we'll be good. So this, this is, I mean, this is what you're hitting on, right? In the wake of both Neil Young and Joni Mitchell leaving Spotify, they, uh, the stock plummeted about 25 percent. Um, Spotify lost four billion dollars in market value following Neil Young controversy, which I think that's about half of a uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> so, um, not, not cheap. Wow. And Apple music and title are joining the party, pointing fingers at Spotify. Uh, Apple music tweeted the home of Neil Young. Listen to his entire catalog on Apple music. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent studio quality. Subtle, right? Subtle, huh? <laughs> uh, and, and so rumors are beginning to swirl. The other big name artists are set to follow suit. Um, Let's see. One band that may remove its catalog, uh, though it's only speculative at this point, is the Foo Fighters. Uh, the band was trending on Twitter on uh, Saturday, and uh, one Twitter user summed it all up well, writing, If Dave Grohl pulls Foo Fighters from Spotify, they are fucking through. Uh, 
and um, Spotify is or the food yeah. fighters? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell. It's just gonna be an explosion. Oh my gosh! That's, uh, I, I I don't think anything could take down the food fighters. Okay, so <laughs> right. Um, so um, let me see if there's anything else. Uh, Grohl had commented on the past saying, "I want people to hear our music. I don't care if you pay one dollar or fucking twenty dollars for it. Just listening to listen to the fucking song." Uh, <laughs> Um, and yeah, we know in 2014, Swift, Taylor Swift pulled her music from Spotify, noting that music is an art and should be paid for and artists should be compensated. Uh, right. Oh, she did bring her music back to the streaming platform and <laughs> as she probably wanted, you know, to be on one of the majors and wanted, yeah. wanted those fractions of a penny. Right. So, um, right. so uh, it's hard to say what. Spotify will look like in six months after all this blows over and, and yeah and yeah yeah I hear you I'm, I'm thinking you know people are just making a point here and um, I can't imagine you know this having a long-term impact uh, I would imagine just you know changes will happen and then people will jump back on Spotify yeah I mean we'll, we'll see they'll, they'll probably come back right so yeah so now's a good time to buy Spotify stock yeah maybe. buy low sell high <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah uh, <laughs> So that is our show, Jens. That's our show. And I want to thank Dale Bazio for giving us content for the past two weeks and uh, and for Definitely. a great conversation. Thank you once again. I'm yeah. sorry that the you know you had to wait so long in the waiting room. We forgive you, but Dale, we love you. Uh you know, Dale tells everyone she meets that she loves them, so we uh yeah. It looked like maybe little binoculars. Huh? <laughs> I was like, why do I look like binoculars? Because I think I was doing this. I have to do like the down. Yeah, a little rounded. I don't know. I, I I'm not like a Instagram persons. I don't know how oh, this works hey, like this. Okay. Yeah. Here. Hold, <laughs> hold that. Don't hold that one more time. Do, do another. There you go. Ready? There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can caption it binoculars or heart. <laughs> heart noculars. Yes. Heart noculars. Uh, yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So uh, next week on the program, um, we have an interview with a band called Sandman Sleeps. Um, and so we'll get into that. Uh, next time but Jens for all of us here at Concert Pipeline that's Jens Schiphol that is Steve Jones we'll catch you next time